Napa know-how. There are lots of amazing cars on the road, but perhaps none more amazing than the paid-off car. It may not be pretty, but the price is right. Heck, if you keep that thing running, it'll actually start paying you. Because with Napa Rewards, for every $100 you spend, you'll get $5 off. So keep your car running longer, stronger with Napa Rewards, and watch the savings start rolling in. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a March 26th, probably hearing this on March 27th edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I am your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson, a writer at the Associated Press, Blazers Edge, former Blazer beat writer at the Vancouver Columbian. Welcome back to Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, this is it's been uh, a content-filled weekend on the Locked On Blazers feed because there have been multiple Blazer games as well as a guest on Impandian from CBS and Clutch Points and the host of the Blazers banter uh, panel that is happening tomorrow at Portland Gear, which I will be a part of. So will Casey Holdall. So will Mike Richmond. Uh, but welcome back to Lockdown Blazers for another edition. The Blazers were in action once again, and they get a victory that moves them into eighth place officially in the Western Conference. Uh, as of right now, they are a playoff team. They defeat the Los Angeles Lakers 97-81 to in Los Angeles. Uh, really not a whole lot to this one. Uh, the Lakers are bad. They're playing a bunch of young players in favor of uh, you know, instead of playing their veteran players, guys that they gave a lot of money to, like Timofey Mozgov, guys like Luol Deng, who they you know paid a lot to come in free agency for, uh, they've benched them because they're way out of it, and uh, it's the world's worst kept secret that uh, they're not going to keep their pick if they don't have uh one of the top three picks if they have the first round pick that falls out of the top four it goes to Philadelphia so uh they it's definitely in their best interest because they won't have a pick at all if they don't finish in the top three so uh that probably had you know that definitely has something to do with it uh but the Blazers again against an inferior opponent against a team that they should beat on paper just take care of business and uh, they rolled in this one it was kind of slow in the in the early going I will say it wasn't uh you know just a coast-to-coast blowout it wasn't as if Portland just blew them out of the water from the very beginning uh the Lakers came out hard they I, I, I thought they 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 went at the Blazers early uh 
Zubak, the the center for them, had a decent game, uh, and and D'Angelo Russell uh, w- was pretty nice tonight for them, uh, and and in the second quarter especially, uh, the Blazers were just ice cold, and the Lakers, being who they are, weren't making any shots either. So it was just really just a really ugly second quarter uh, for both teams that allowed the Lakers to stay close in this one. Uh, they were down by five at the end of the first quarter. Both teams being terrible in the second quarter kind of even things out. The third quarter was really when Portland just put this one into an extra gear, specifically Damian Lillard put this one into an extra gear, really just taking over the game in the third quarter and uh, not letting uh, the Lakers uh, have a chance to to build some momentum at home. It has been a tough season, and uh, this could have been a night for them to have uh, a morale-boosting win because even when you're tanking, you sometimes need those. Uh, But Portland never let the guys that were on the court for the Lakers feel the confidence, uh, and the bench for Portland eventually stepped up in this game to put this one away. So uh, the Blazers win it 97-81, to and as I mentioned, that moves them into eighth place in the Western Conference, officially uh, setting up that big game on Tuesday against the Denver Nuggets uh, now a huge game uh, with the opportunity for the Blazers to uh, take a one game lead and win the season series so uh, the winner of that game uh, will take a one game lead once again in this uh, race for eight but for Portland uh, it's uh, it could be even more momentous because then it could give them a tiebreaker and essentially give them another game lead on Denver. So uh, that's another thing to remember about that game on Tuesday is that uh, not only now that Portland is in eighth place, they can get a game of cushion. uh, It would really be like two games because the tiebreaker ultimately will come down to the record against each other first, which if Portland wins on Tuesday, they will have. So... uh, a win on Tuesday uh, is double. And luckily for the Blazers, they have uh, some of the other big tiebreakers, like division record, uh, and that only matters because Portland and Denver are in the same division. It is a little weird that division divisions matter a lot less now uh, in the NBA in terms of seeding, but then when it comes to tiebreakers, they do just that's a a weird NBA inconsistency uh, that is uh, being brought about uh, by this eight seed race. Uh, But yeah, uh, a win would mean double for Portland uh, because they would seal the season series and they would get a game ahead of Denver. Denver would, if they win, would pick up a game and then uh, that would just give them a little bit more hope because, uh, if Portland does manage to catch them and they tie, Portland has the division tiebreaker as well uh, because if if Denver wins, then the season series is just a push and that would go to the next tiebreaker. So uh, now that we're getting closer here, I feel okay getting into some of that nitty-gritty playoff tiebreaker stuff. Uh, but uh, that is the, the, the scenario that the Blazers are, are, head, are walking into 
Uh, and I'm looking right here from NBA.com. I'm reading the rules. The first tiebreaker is division winner. Obviously, that doesn't apply here. Then it's winning percentage in games against each other. That, of course, is the season series. So, as I mentioned, Portland has the season series right now at 2-1. They win it on Tuesday. They get it 3-1. Then if Denver wins, for whatever reason, and Portland doesn't have that tiebreaker anymore, uh, it comes down to better winning percentage against teams in their own division. Portland has that pretty much wrapped up, I would say. Uh, at this point, the Nuggets are 5-8 and eight in division right now, and the Blazers are 8-3. and three. So uh, that would... Uh, seem to kind of wrap that up Portland obviously has a couple of more games to go but I don't see them somehow getting to eight losses in division uh, so yeah some some background there on the the importance of that matchup uh, let's you know go through some some stats in the game tonight before we fully move on to the Denver game uh, Alan Crabb had 18 points for Portland tonight he also had six rebounds, seven of twelve shooting for Crab, four of eight from three. Uh, Myers Leonard uh, with another uh, solid performance. He had eight points, four rebounds, two of three from three, three of seven from the field. Alfred Camino continues to play well on both ends of the floor. Uh, the move to the bench has really worked out for him. It's really worked out for the Blazers. Uh, I kind of like. I will say that it gets a little chaotic sometimes when he puts the ball on the floor and it doesn't look very good and the turnovers have been difficult here and there. But uh, tonight especially, it did seem like... Now granted, the Lakers make a lot of teams look like well-oiled offensive machines. But it was uh, kind of nice to see over the last couple of games, he, Aminu had a pass in the Minnesota game that I will, hmm, uh, where he's putting the ball on the ground and then he's finding open shooters when he gets into the paint, which uh, if he can draw attention with those drives and then kick out to open shooters instead of, uh, you know, turning the ball over, that's an ideal scenario. And if, if his if his work in handling the ball, which I've talked about a lot this season where I've said Aminu worked on his ball handling and really tried to get better at it, and I thought it made him a worse offensive player because he uh, became more hesitant to shoot the ball. I think he was less useful to the offense as a whole, to the health of the offense by not being a spacer, by not being a guy that could do those types of things that I think you need around CJ and Dame. But um, lately, when he's been coming off the bench, he has been hitting his threes for the most part, at least uh, at a much better rate uh, than he was uh, earlier in the season. He's getting that percentage up and up and up. It keeps on going up. And then he's also uh, still doing all that dribbling stuff that he was doing earlier in the season. And uh, at least in these last two games, granted against two teams that, you have Minnesota, who is really just uh, stinking it up here at the end of the season and really just can't get it together at all. And then you have the Lakers, who are tanking. So, uh, But it is nice that some of Aminu's drives have looked, you know, they haven't looked like these, uh, you know, disastrous forays to the hoop where you're like, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. 
he's he's actually putting the ball on the ground and he's making things happen for his teammates. And if that is ultimately what comes out of uh, the the evolved ball handling for Aminu, then all the better. So uh, Aminu continuing to play well for the Blazers. Uh, Noah Vonley with a career-high 14 rebounds. Uh, he continues to ball, uh, I thought, in the third quarter. Vonley was really the beneficiary, again, as he has been since the Nurkic trade of uh, some great pick-and-roll play by the Blazers. Lillard was really generous, giving the ball to Nurkic in the, as the roll man. Uh, and Nurkic, generous right back, hitting Vonley for a couple of buckets there in the third quarter and uh, really just taking advantage of the poor Lakers defense. I think when you look at Nurkic's line tonight, 4 of 15 from the field, 9 points, 13 rebounds, 4 assists. Uh, you look at that 4 for 15, that really stands out as like, wow, he, he had a bad game, but I thought that he played very well. I thought that uh, he was a big reason why Portland was able to pull away in that third quarter by setting screens, by rolling, and, and just being a, a facilitator and an unselfish guy. And he just continues to do that and really continues to you know, lift the Blazers in those ways. And, and, and Nurkic is just phenomenal. And, and, and since we're coming up on this uh, game here uh, against Denver, I think it was uh, it, it'd be kind of an interesting time now, uh, 17 games into his Blazers career, to look at where Nurkic has been, uh, or 18 games in, excuse me, uh, where Nurkic has been uh, as a Blazer. One of the crazy things that uh, actually came out of tonight's game uh, that made me think of this was that uh, he got his 61st assist tonight with the Blazers and that is already more in 18 games as a Blazer than he had in 45 games as a Denver Nugget uh, so uh, let kind of want to look at what else has changed uh, I, I looked at his per 36 minutes just to have a, a consistent uh measurement across the board because points per game that could shift on how many minutes he's played so we're trying to just do it by per minute and uh when you look at his numbers uh you know they don't really stand out like that crazy uh but uh and actually his field goal percentage in portland has actually been slightly worse than it was in denver but you look at other aspects of his game obviously assists you compare his per 36 minute stats right now in assists He's averaging 4.2 assists per 36 minutes in Portland. And he was averaging 2.7 per 36 in Denver. The turnovers have been about the same. He's averaging more blocks per 36 minutes, uh, uh, almost a full block more, uh, almost a point and a half more. And uh, another stat that uh, kind of stands out as a big difference is uh, his free throw percentage is better in Portland. He's shooting 63% as a blazer and wasn't cracking 50% in Denver. And he's also getting there a little bit more per 36. So uh, he he's better pretty much all the way across the board. He's rebounding better, uh, especially on the defensive end. Uh, and the, the funny thing is, is that, you know, I say those numbers and it, as I mentioned, you know, it, it's not that big of a difference in terms of percentages. And, and he was shooting better percentage-wise actually in Denver. But then you look at the advanced stats numbers, you look at things like on-court plus minus, net on-court, net rating. 
and the difference just jumps out at you uh, in a much more stark way. Uh, And when Nurkic was in Denver, 45 games, and when he was on the court, this is a pretty large sample, obviously, the Nuggets were getting outscored by 10 points per 100 possessions. And when he was off the court, they were a plus 1.5. So they were definitely better when Nurkic wasn't playing uh, when he was in Denver. And you transition to now in Portland, uh, where he's been for 18 games now, and it's a completely different story. Nurkic is the huge, the biggest difference maker for the Blazers. Uh, right now he's a plus 8.7 and when the Blazers are plus 8.7 per 100 percentage when he's on the court. And when he's off the court, they're a minus 3.3, which actually they're on the court or when the numbers, when he's on the bench have actually improved lately, which is a good sign for the Blazers that, uh, you know, they're not completely disintegrating when he's not out there, but the whole point of that comparison and showing those Denver numbers and those Blazers numbers is that, uh, it's, he's just been a completely different player. So, uh, I think a a lot of Nuggets fans are like, where was this guy? And, uh, it, it really has been night and day and it really, you don't really see it in, in the, the, you know, the basic numbers, the counting stats, uh, but you really see it in those advanced numbers where, you're seeing how the team has played when he's been on the floor and it's overwhelmingly be po- been positive in Portland whereas it wasn't in Denver it just uh, it was not he was not uh, an impact player and uh the other side of the coin uh, of this Nurkic discussion in terms of plus minus that I kind of wanted to look at is how the Nuggets have fared while Mason Plumlee has been on their team and uh so far when Plumlee's been on the court they've actually been losing their minus 2.9 per 100 possessions when Plumlee's on the court and uh, they've been phenomenal when Plumlee sits Uh, according to NBA.com they're actually outscoring their opponents by 9.2 points per 100 possessions obviously that's probably some of the the Jokic effect if he is out there on the court and Plumlee is out there when he's not they've played together some uh, and and that but that's just a really interesting number and, and a kind of a interesting study here where the, the trade getting Plumlee hasn't really been, it hasn't been positive for Denver, whereas the trade for Portland has been overwhelmingly positive to the point where you're like, you know, who was this guy if you're a Denver fan? And uh, I mentioned this on the last podcast, which I did on, on Sunday after the Minnesota game when I was looking at uh, other plus minus numbers. But one of the craziest things about Nurkic is that he's almost single-handedly revived Noah Vonley's plus minus. Vonley was like negative double digits for most of the season. And he's almost, he's at minus 2.7 right now on court net rating. And, and that's, uh, you know, that's, that's remarkable. And, and the knock, the Nurkic Vonley pairing is continuing to, to mash for the Blazers, uh, and uh, but the the Nurkic difference, how he's been in Denver or how he was in Denver, excuse me, and how he's been in Portland, uh, is pretty remarkable when you look at those advanced numbers. That on court plus minus, I know that on court plus minus is not the end all be all of statistics, uh, but 
it, it is really interesting to see that difference in how the Blazers have been since he uh, ha- has been here and uh, kind of also interesting to see uh, the impact that uh, Plumley has had on Denver and to see that it hasn't really been positive has been is pretty wild because uh, you, you know you would think that as a backup center he would provide that lift but uh, again uh, there are contextual things with with on court plus minus so it's not to say that he's been terrible but uh, just really interesting numbers uh, from what we've seen now after uh, a pretty decent sized sample of games since the Plumley Nurkic trade happened uh, back in February. Uh, I mentioned that Al Farouk Aminu has been shooting the ball well. I wanted to put some numbers to that uh, just because I have been seeing it, just because I have been saying it. Uh, it's always good to put an actual number to that. Uh, Aminu's been shooting 37.5% from three since the All Star break in 16 games. Uh, and, and you look at the rest of the roster for Portland and pretty much anybody that is shooting threes right now is cashing them in at a really good rate. And that's uh, a big reason why they've gone 12 and five since the break and have been, uh, one of the best teams in the league since the break, uh, their net rating since the break is top five, their offense is top five, their defense is top 10. I mean, it's, it's, they, they, they've, definitely gotten to pad those stats a little bit in these last two games but uh you know they've earned those numbers they've earned that the that positioning and those that that rating the numbers don't lie and uh, as i mentioned uh, aminu's shooting threes well but everybody's shooting threes well harkless uh continuing to shoot the three uh better than he has you know mostly in his career when he shot it with volume uh myers leonard's shooting almost 40 percent from three Lillard at 43, McCollum at almost 49, Crab at 47, uh, and Shabazz Napier, who got uh, a good, decent amount of run while Turner was on the mend, uh, was shooting 35% from three, which isn't terrible. Uh, So uh, pretty much everybody on the Blazers team that was shooting threes or has been shooting threes lately has been shooting them well. So uh, that's just another factor. to their success here uh, over these last uh, 17 or so games. As I mentioned, the Blazers are now firmly in eighth place, and they are they're there uh, with nine games left to play uh, with a huge game against Denver that uh, if they win is more than just one win, it probably means two uh, because it gives them – breathing room and it also gives them another another one of the tiebreakers uh and portland's net rating which i just mentioned as as a top five just to let you know the other teams that have better net ratings than portland since the break golden state houston miami san antonio and that's it so portland has been behind the three best teams in the East this season or in the West, excuse me. And then Miami who has been, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the league since the new year. So, uh, pretty nice company to be in. As I mentioned, Portland's defense has, uh, been, uh, very good, as good as it's been all year. Uh, probably the best it's been all year in this stretch. In addition to the fact that their offense has been elite. So, uh, Portland is 
clicking at the right time. They're currently in eighth place in the Western Conference with nine to play uh, and a, a big, big matchup coming up here in Portland against the Nuggets. Uh, you know, I said this on the last episode, it's too bad that they kind of turned this on a little late because, you know, Memphis is looking a little vulnerable right now. Maybe they could have overtaken seven. Uh, but I, the difference, I guess, in a series between Golden State, San Antonio, maybe it's big, maybe it's not. I'm not sure. But, uh, yeah, uh, pretty remarkable run that they've been on. Uh, they've been one of the best teams in the league for uh, almost – 20 games now, 17 games uh, of excellent basketball. And uh, it's encouraging to see that they, they've had this stretch of, uh, of basketball. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for me uh, on this edition of Locked on Blazers. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for joining us this week. We had a lot of stuff that you can listen to. Uh, check out our podcast from uh, Sunday, our podcast from Saturday with Anand Pandian. Uh, and also come out tomorrow or today, I guess, on Monday, March 27th. Come out to Portland Gear, 7 p.m., uh, Blazers banter panel. We're going to be talking hoops. We're going to be talking Blazers, Nurkic fever. It's the eve of the Denver game, so uh, a big night uh, for the Blazers, a big week for the Blazers uh, ahead and uh, we're going to be talking all about it. We're going to be talking about whatever it is you want to talk about with the Blazers. Tanking, draft picks, who we like in the draft, what they should do, uh, you know, what their chances are in a series. Uh, will they even make the playoffs? All that stuff. We're going to be talking about it at the Blazers Banter panel. Uh, so come hang at Portland Gear on Monday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, come check it out. It's going to be fun. So, uh that's going to do it for me on this edition of Locked On Blazers. Please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Google Play, TuneIn FM, uh, wherever you can get a podcast. We're there. And we'll see you next time, uh, which will probably be after Tuesday's game against the Nuggets. So uh, we're going to have a little gap in the action, uh, so to speak. But uh, we'll be back after Tuesday's game against Denver. With coverage from that, uh, I will be there for Portland, Denver. So uh, we'll have a, a, a live in-house report uh, from the big game, which is the the biggest game of the season. So until next time, when the Blazers face the Denver Nuggets for what could be uh, the deciding game in the battle for the eight seed.